Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Gray, Georgia. Led by Pastor Randy Darnell, FBC Gray is committed to helping people of all walks of life find Jesus and to give Jesus away. If you are ever in the middle Georgia area, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can find all our information on our website at fbcgray.org. Now let's join Pastor Randy as we take another look into God's Word. Vanity is an awful thing. Uh, pride is, a, uh, is an awful thing that we, we deal with. Um, I, you, we're sitting here with no pulpit today for a reason. Uh, last week, after I stood behind the pulpit in two services, I had a lot of trouble walking back to the other office. And I had several people that saw me, and they were very kind and very gracious, but what I heard them was saying was, quit being stupid, do something. They didn't use those words. They were very kind. But uh, so we, we talked and, and decided that for the next couple of weeks, at the very least, uh, I, would, I would sit at a table. Uh, I may get up and move. I practiced the other day in here to see how all this worked with me. And uh, every time I stood up, I did that. So I might just stay here like I did in the first service, and it works out pretty well. Uh, for those of you who may not know, uh, it's not just a spasm. Uh, it's, I've got a hip issue. It's going to be fixed in, uh, in about 12 days or something like that. So uh, we'll see where we go from there. But anyway, for now, I'm going to be sitting here. If you have trouble, you know, there's no pulpit here, and if it causes a problem for you, I'm terribly sorry. Uh, you're welcome to come preach, and I will sit out there because I can't stand. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. And your sermon won't be as good as mine. So... <laughs> I got good stuff today. I'm telling you right now. I, the delivery may stink, but the material, the material is good. Um, Bradley Baptist Church had a fundraiser yesterday, a uh, breakfast fundraiser. And uh, the guy that, that does or did 107 Smokehouse goes to Bradley and he cooked breakfast for everybody. And uh, it was $15. It's uh, what they're doing is raising funds for Road to Hope. If you listen to anybody from Bradley talk, we listen to some of them talking up there, just talking about it. Road to Hope is their gift to Jones County. They do it as a gift to us. So uh, it's a pretty good thing. It takes lots of money. It takes lots of volunteers to get that done. So they had the fundraiser. They say they're going to do it again. If they do, you can go do from 8 until 12. It's $15 a plate, but it is, it is well worth it helps them out, and it was some show enough good cooking. But anyway, a group of men from First Baptist, uh, we went up there and uh, set as a group, and we, we talked and started swapping stories as, as people do when they sit around. And, and uh, one of the stories that uh, we started talking about was, was uh, what we did when we were little that got us whippings. Uh, you know, it's a different day and age back then. Back then, you'd, you'd pretty well get lit up when you did something wrong. Uh, parents may make you go get your own switch. Mine never did. Mine just preferred to take out the belt and, and, and use that or a hairbrush. Either one was a good thing. So way back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, one of the stories that we were told, one of our members' dad, who shall remain nameless. I don't want to give Dean Rowland's name away to everybody. But one of our members' dad had a relationship, and I don't really remember exactly 
how this worked because the end of the story is what really caught my attention. But his dad had some relation to an automobile recycling business kind of thing where they had, Dean had a lot of, I mean, the young man had a lot of uh, access to dead and dying automobiles. You know, people collect all kinds of things. There's people that collect bottle caps. There was a guy in my neighborhood when I was growing up that uh, collected hubcaps from cars. Daddy collected coins. You know, I talked to all you about that. Well, this young man collected automobile keys which made sense. He was around all these dead and dying automobiles. He had a key collection that obviously was, was a fairly good key collection because his school asked him to bring it to school to give a presentation on automobile keys and all this automobiles and all this kind of stuff. So obviously it was a pretty good deal. And so he took it to school, did his thing. But, you know, I said this the other day. I believe it from the bottom of my heart. You cannot change my mind that children do not think like adults. It amazes me when we try to teach children, talk, talk to children like they're an adult because they don't think like we do. And good proof is what this young man did. He got to thinking, and it makes logical sense, right? He started thinking that I've got this collection of keys to cars that don't work. Wouldn't it make my collection a whole lot better if I had a collection of keys that actually cranked automobiles, that they really worked. Now remember, this is back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, okay? Back in those days, we didn't lock our doors at night. Some of y'all remember that. You know, we didn't lock our doors at night. You didn't have air conditioning, so when it got like the other night, when it was like 200 degrees, we went to bed, the windows were open, the fans were on, you were laying on top of the sheets, you didn't worry about anybody coming in and shooting you and robbing you. It didn't matter. And you didn't take your keys out of your car. Because who's going to steal it? The only people that had their cars stolen were people that lived in Atlanta. And they deserved to have their cars stolen because they lived in Atlanta. So, you know, we had it made. So in the ignition of all of the cars in this neighborhood were keys. And this young man decided that it would be a good thing just to slip out under cover of darkness and take their keys. I can't, I've had fun imagining what the next morning was like. When everybody went out to their car and they looked and thought, oh, I must have taken the keys in the house. And so they went in the house, they tore the house apart and they couldn't find their keys anywhere. They may have gotten lucky and found their extra key, probably not. They couldn't go to work, they couldn't go to school, they couldn't go to the grocery store, they couldn't go to the doctor's appointment. There was a lot of people in that neighborhood who were not exactly happy with things. And the word got around and it eventually got back to the young man's dad. And the dad went to the young man and he said, did you take those keys by any chance? And he said, well, no. If there are any young people in here, let me help you with something. When you are caught, give yourself up. It's a whole lot better for you. So eventually his dad found out that he actually did do it. And uh, these were back in the days of corporal punishment. I know that it's fallen out of favor now because, you know, if you spank your child, they grow up to be like us. And who would want to be like us, right? So uh, I can promise you that, that Dean, I mean, this young man has never collected anybody's car keys again. It was over and done. Now, why am I telling you that story? The whole time he's telling me the story, I'm I'm starting to think about how we collect keys of life. 
how we collect keys in our life, how we, we think of all these things that, you know, if we plug the key in and turn it, that's going to make this thing happen in our life. And we're always looking for that one thing that's going to make everything work like it's supposed to. It's the way we think. We, um, we collect the keys of, of salvation when we are saved. What? In my father's house, depending on which version you read. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't tell you. I'm going to come back and get you one day. You got the key. Come on in when the day comes. We've got the key to salvation. But what we've done is we've kind of compartmentalized that. And that's one key that we'll use out yonder somewhere. But in the meantime, we've got to collect a whole bunch of other keys. We've got to collect the key... We've got to collect the key of, of how to get through school. We've got to collect the key of, of uh, finding our first job, building our career, finding the perfect mate. If we think we're called to be single for the rest of our lives, what's the key to being single? We've, we look for the key to obtaining our possessions and to buying the right amount of insurance and, and having the 401k and picking the right investments. And we do all these things to find the key of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's really what we're about. And there's all these different things we think we've got to find out and learn how to do in order to achieve that. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's nothing wrong with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's the American dream that we live by. There's nothing wrong with that. I've done it. You've done it. We all do it. I collected keys. I collected a key that many of y'all collected that now you don't have to have it so much, but back in the day you did, I collected the key of religion. Because if I had religion and I did what I was supposed to do, I was a good person. Now you don't have to be a religious person to be a good person anymore, but back in the day you did. And so I knew what I had to do to be considered to be a good person. But my problem with that was, in all that time, and you know this because you've done it, you've, you've collected all these things to make your life go the way you want it to go, you're never satisfied. There's always something more. You feel like you're missing something. And even with the key of religion, I, I, I needed something, I wanted something, that would make life make sense. And there had to be something out there. Well, I found out what it was. And it's right here in Romans chapter 6. So y'all go ahead and take your Bibles out and turn to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. What we're going to learn today is the key to be free. The key to be free. That is the most important key that you're ever going to find. All the rest of them don't even count anymore when we get to this one. All right, here we go. Romans 6, 1 through 11. <clears throat> what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, listen to the words, listen to the words. How can we who died to sin still live in it? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, 
just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we'll also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died to sin once for all, but life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves. You must also reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the deal. <clears throat> this, 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 this message is a message that I learned about four years ago, five years ago, when I went to Grace Life Fellowship, uh, Grace Fellowship International in Pigeon Forge. And it's the first time that I've leaned back in my chair and went, there's the answer. That's what I've been missing. That's what I didn't know. Now, I can teach this till the cows come home. And what, what distresses me is that I know that many of us are going to go home having heard a sermon. And you're, you're going to hear what I say, and, and it's good stuff, and you will have heard a sermon. But what my prayer is, and my prayer has been, is that the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, who leads us to Christ, will open our eyes to what Jesus did so that we know who we are now. Because even as Christians, we don't live like we know who we are. We don't. And it's, and it's not talking about us. Yes, we've got to make effort, but we've been freed to be able to make the effort. There's nothing to hold us back. And that's what we're going to learn about today. And I pray that you'll listen to it. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will move in your heart and open your eyes and your ears to hear what Paul is telling us, the supernatural act that has occurred to set us free from sin. Now, it's, it's Romans 6, 1 through 11, five steps that we're going to cover. Step number one begins where it has to begin. Slide number one. Step number one has to begin at this point. The first couple of slides, all we're going to do is affirmation of faith. It's all we're going to do. Affirm what we believe. If I say something that you go, I don't know about that, think about it real hard. These are things that we believe as a body of believers, the church of Jesus Christ, okay? So the first thing when I ask this question, what do we believe about Jesus? I had a gospel song go through my head right off the bat. It's Gaither Vocal Band. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm not as good as the Gaithers, but it, you know, you get the idea. That song, y'all know what I'm talking about? This, yeah, anybody? I know you do, Richard. You got to. You probably sang the song, I imagine. Yeah, okay. There's that song comes straight from Scripture. It comes from Revelation chapter 22 that says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Y'all think about what we're talking about when we say that. These are just words that we say and we go, yep, we believe it. Think about what that means. There has never been a time when Jesus wasn't. When you look at my diagram up there, that's Dr. Solomon's diagram that I've embellished a little bit to put up here. That line that goes across the bottom there, 
that line is Jesus' life. That's Jesus. I bet y'all didn't know he looked like that. I bet, bet he didn't know he looked like that. That line is his life. And you'll see at either end there's the infinity symbol at each end. Because there is no beginning to his life. There is no end to his life. He has always been. When there is nothing left, which there will never be a time when there is nothing left because there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. But if there was nothing left, Jesus would still be here. We believe Hebrews 13.8 is absolutely true. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is not learning. He is not making mistakes that he has to figure out how to get out of. He is not growing. He is not maturing. We believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal perfect son of God. That's absolutely what we believe. We believe Colossians 1, what it says. It says, he is the image of the invisible God. Now listen to me. Y'all listen. Y'all going to have to stay with me today because I'm going to say y'all listen about a million times. I don't want you to miss this. You can miss other sermons. Don't miss this one. This one is critical. You may have had a lousy daddy. You may have had a horrible daddy. Your daddy may have beat your brains out when you were growing up for no apparent reason. You may have had a horrible relationship with your daddy. Your daddy might have been an abuser and you may have been abused by your daddy. Physically, sexually, emotionally, you name it. You may have had a rotten daddy. And when somebody comes up and calls God the Father, you have trouble with that. Because God the Father brings up image of that horrible old man that you had and, and, and the two just don't work. Okay, now here's where I'm going with this. We believe that he is, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Now what that says to us is this. If you will go to the scripture and you will see how Jesus operated, see the things that Jesus did, see the way that he walked, See the way that he taught. See how compassionate and kind he was. See who he was angry with and how he expressed his anger. If you will do that, that is a picture of your heavenly father. Completely different from an evil, heavenly, uh, evil earthly father you might have. We say that Jesus, this Jesus that we follow, is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. Everything that is was created by Jesus in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now listen, don't let those be words just go over your head. You think about what that means. The pew that your honey is sitting in right now, those... Well, some man made that. Mm -hmm. Out of the materials that Jesus created in the first place, they weren't here without him. He created the man that did that. He gave him the intelligence. He gave him the tools. He gave that person everything. Without Jesus, there's nothing. You understand? There is nothing nowhere in all of eternity. Period. There's just space. But Jesus came and everything was created through him, for him. So he has dominion over all of it. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. So just take the absurd thought that there was no Jesus, which you can't because if there was no Jesus, there would be nothing. But let's say that Jesus wasn't involved in something, then everything comes flying apart. He holds all things together. He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, making peace by the blood of his cross. That's why the cross is the biggest thing up on that screen. 
It is the monument to it is the monument to Jesus' obedience. It is the monument to God's love. It is the absolute turning point of history. Listen, I don't know if y'all have paid any attention or not, but a while back they started changing BC and AD to BCE and CE so that, you know, we take Christian out of it. We don't have Christ involved in the dating system anymore. It's before the common era and it's the common era. But you know what? It still turns on Jesus' birth, death, resurrection. The calendar still rotates around that. Why? Because that was the greatest event that ever happened. The cross is a monument. It's a monument to the obedience and the love of God through Jesus to save us. His birth, his life, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension to all who receive that, to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. We are children of God if we trust in Jesus as our Savior. All these are things that you've heard before that you can lean back right now and you go, yep, I know all that. Do you understand that you're a child of God? You've been adopted into the family. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't need to worry about bread. He owns it all. I've made jokes about this property over beside us. I still pray for it. Right up here, I want one day all that property right up beside us to belong to First Baptist Church and everything gets torn down and the building and the, and the bank gets skewed down a little bit so that when you come around that curve there, you'll see First Baptist Church. There'll be nothing in the way. All you'll, you won't see the handy-handy sign. All you'll see is the monument to God's existence in Jones County when you come around there and people say that'll never happen and my answer to them is my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills what is a stupid convenience center to him you understand that's who we're a child of we are a child of God now children of God slide number two is up there even if you're not a Christian this is true of you Okay, you're not a child of God if you're not a Christian. Y'all stay with me. If you're not a Christian, you're not a child of God, you're a creation of God, but you have had to have an encounter with Jesus. Well, I ain't had an encounter, yet you're having it right now. What's going on right now is an encounter with Jesus. We are talking about him. We are stating truths about him. We are, as a congregation, stating our beliefs about him, our trust about him, our faith in him. All and all, uh, I and all of my brothers and sisters in here are saying that we stake our lives on this Jesus who we have read about in this scripture and who has literally changed our lives. Every one of us has had an encounter with Jesus. Every last one of us. The solid line, the one coming down the hill, that solid line represents your history. That other little person there, that's you. Did you know you look like that? Some of y'all lost a lot of weight. Actually, I think that's Logan. Yeah, yeah, that's Logan. Um, solid line represents your history. The dotted line represents your future, all right? So that's, that's your history, your future. At some point, it intersects with Jesus. You're going to have, you're absolutely going to have a, an encounter with Jesus. You're having that this morning. Now, 
Every one of us had a definite beginning in history. We had a mom and a daddy that created a baby. They delivered that baby. That baby was you. There was a time when you didn't exist as you do now, and yet you did exist, right? Because, see, if your mom and daddy didn't have a baby, where would you be? There wouldn't be no you. If your grandparents didn't have a baby, your parents wouldn't be here. If your great-grandparents didn't have a baby, then your grandparents, your parents, or you, none of you would be here. That line also represents Adam's lineage. And there was a time back in the beginning when Adam was created and we were all in Adam because if Adam and Eve didn't have a baby, none of us would be here, right? Do y'all agree with me there? This means yes, it also means you're breathing and alive. You agree with me that Adam, okay. If Adam didn't have babies, then boom, there wouldn't have been any of us, but he did. And because Adam did what he did, because he and Eve did what they did, we were born into sin. Last week we said, for as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. You see where that dotted line is headed? We know what down means. That's all we're going to say about it right there. That's it. Slide number three. All that we've talked about so far is background. We, We all agree that those things are true. It's the foundation on which we stand. Now let's talk about the key the key to living an eternal life. Romans 6, 3 says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? You've probably heard this before. Probably read the scripture before. Let's talk about what it means to be baptized so that we understand the word. Baptized means immersed. That's all the word baptized means. It means that you're immersed. That's what makes you a Baptist if you are a Baptist. It means that you believe in believer's baptism, that at some point you became aware of your sins, and once you were aware of your sins, you felt called by Jesus to be saved, you trusted him with your life, therefore you followed him in baptism, you were baptized just like Jesus was in River Jordan, you were immersed down into the water completely, you were pulled back up again, that's baptism, you were immersed. Now, for those of you who may not be Baptist, You still believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he died for your sins, that he is your Savior. You've asked him to save you. You are just as saved as any Baptist on the face of the earth. You're just not as clean. But we can fix that. The point is, is the word baptism means that you're immersed into something. Now, what does it say? Y'all listen to me. Don't go away. What does it say here? What does it say that you were baptized into? You were baptized into, it doesn't say water. It says you were baptized into his death. That you were totally immersed in the death of Jesus Christ. Listen to verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. I don't believe that's a figure of speech. I believe that is a supernatural occurrence that when I was saved, this is what occurred to me. My old self was crucified. When was my old self crucified? It was crucified with Jesus on the cross. Where was Jesus when he was on the cross? Where was I? I was with him on the cross. That's what I'm reading here. If I was crucified with him, I was baptized into his death, Then I was fully immersed into his death. Now follow me. Don't go wandering off somewhere. Stay with me and follow me here. 
Can you partially die? Well, you might argue with me a little bit and say, well, you know, you could be brain dead and, and nothing's happening up, you know, nothing's happening at home, but your body's still breathing. Yeah, but your body's still breathing. You have not died. You cannot be partially alive. You either are alive or you are dead. And if you're baptized into his death, then you're dead. You're dead. Listen to what scripture says here. We know that our old self was crucified with him to the result that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Literal translation, literal word order. Y'all listen to this. Our old man was crucified. Now I know that I caused a little bit of, of, of a little bit of stir when I said that you no longer have a sin nature. I probably figured that you're probably reading the New International Version, which says you have a sin nature. That word, that word translated sin nature is actually the Greek word sarx, which means flesh. I don't like their translation. That is not a true statement that you have a sin nature. If you are born again, your old man was crucified. Do you understand me? Your old man was crucified. Here's the literal wording. Literal wording, our old man was crucified with him in order that might be done away with our body of sin. We were crucified, our old self, our original nature was crucified with Christ so that we would be set free. You were baptized into Jesus while he hung on the cross. You were crucified with him. When Jesus died, you died. You died, I died when Jesus died. You've heard 2 Corinthians 5, 7 a million times in your life. Do you understand what it means now? 1 Corinthians 5, 7, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? He is a new creation. He is a new creature. Why is he a new creature? Because the old has passed away. The old you is dead. You are brand spanking new. Now, what does that mean? The old us came from Adam. The old us was sinful to its core, but that was crucified so that the body of sin could be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Y'all see it coming. I hope you can see it coming. Slide number four. Romans 6 says, 6, 4 says, we were buried therefore with him. See us being buried there? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. We were buried with him into death. We sang a song a couple of weeks ago. When, uh, when, uh, when he called my name, I came out of that grave. Yeah, that's where this comes from. That's good theology. Because when he was in the grave, I was in the grave. When Christ was on the cross being crucified, I was crucified with him. I was buried with him in the grave. And when God called him out of the grave, he called me out of the grave too, to a newness of life. What difference does all this make? Verse seven, for one who has died has been, listen, for one who has died has been set free from sin. If you and I died, we've been set free from sin. Now, this isn't talking about going to heaven when you die. All of this occurs right now in this life, right this minute, here today. The day that you staked your life on Christ, this occurred. 
this happened. Slide number five, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. True or false, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he immediately ascended into heaven. True or false? False, absolutely false. He didn't immediately ascend into heaven. He spent 40 days on the earth. People touched him. He walked with people. They heard him speak. He ate a meal, at least one meal with them. I imagine when they went to bed at night, he may have even gone to bed at night, just like they did. For 40 days, he was here. For the resurrection that he was resurrected to, we are resurrected to ourselves. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ Jesus. The word united, I skipped that. The word united when we were united with him in death is an agricultural term, which means that you were buried in the ground like a seed and you died and then you grew up together with Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. Now here is the point. This is why all of this is important. So y'all look up here. Don't think about anything else for just a few minutes. Don't miss this point. Don't miss this point. Romans 6, 11 says, Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's New King James Version there. Sorry that Neva's not here to know this morning that I used the New King James. It's not really the King James, but it's close. Because King James uses a southern word. It uses the word reckon. Y'all know that's, y'all still say that, don't you? If y'all got so cityfied, y'all can't use that word anymore. You know? Are you going to go down and get lunch tomorrow? I reckon I will. Right? What are you going to do after church today? I reckon we'll go down to Sharks and get that grilled grouper sandwich they've got. I reckon. Reckon means that I know that I know that I know that I'm going to do it. That's what it means. Now, the other versions use the word consider when they translate this. It's not a wrong word. It just doesn't feel strong enough to me. I like the southern word reckon because he says that we are dead to sin. We have got to reckon that we are dead to sin. You've got to know that you know that you know that you know that you are dead to sin. You've got to know that you know that you know that you know that you are dead to sin. You're not under bondage anymore. You're not under bondage anymore. If you come up to me and say, Randy, I had no choice, I had to, I'm going to look you in the eye and say, are you, a, are you a brother or sister of Christ? And you're going to say yes. I'm going to say, were you saved by the blood of the Lamb? You're going to say yes. And then I'm going to say, you're a liar because you didn't have to. You didn't have to. We are not under bondage of sin anymore. Now, we will sin. I sin, you sin, we all sin. We still live in this body of flesh. I'm not preaching perfectionism. You don't become perfect and everything's great. No, you still have the body of flesh. But now we choose to follow that. We're not in bondage anymore. Before you become a Christian, you are in bondage. You have to. You have to. It is who you are. It's what you do. A sinner sins. We've talked about that before. A sinner sins. But when you died with Christ and you were buried in the tomb with him, you were raised to new life. You are not a sinner bound to sin anymore. That old man is gone. You're not in bondage. Now, I understand 
Ain't nothing stupid about this boy. Some sins when you get into are hard to get out of. Drug addiction is a bear. It's absolutely a bear. But I heard something on television the other day that I thought, yeah, that's just the way that the word does it. The world does things. Talking about opioid addiction. They don't use the word addiction anymore. It's opioid, how do you put it? Opioid use disorder. It ain't a disorder. You didn't catch it. It's a choice. Now, it's a horrible choice because your body is screaming for it. Your body has to have it. But through Christ, you can be free. Through any sin, you can be free. It is there. You are not bound to it anymore. You don't have to end up like everybody else ends up. You are free. We have to reckon ourselves to be dead. See, that's really what repentance is because I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I reckon myself dead to sin and alive to God. It's not changing my mind. It is changing my commitment. I'm not just going to try anymore. Now I know I'm free. I'm free. But it's so much more than just that. You know what? I want to be liked as much as the next person. But if you don't like me, that doesn't change anything about me. I am still a child of God, loved by him forever. You may disagree with me on some things, that's fine. I'm still a child of God, loved by him forever. He is working on me to make me into the person that he wants me to be that looks just like Jesus. Nothing anyone can do to me, nothing anybody can say to me. You can kill me, and it changes nothing. I just get to go on a new adventure because I'm free. I am not bound anymore. Sin, sin is no longer a requirement. Sin is a choice. Sin is no longer a necessity. It's an option. Sin doesn't rule us anymore. When we sin now, we do it because we choose to sin now. But we are free. We are not in bondage. Paul says all over the place, but especially in Galatians uh, chapter 2, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. I have been crucified. I am dead. You're dead if you're a child of God. Imagine what a difference that can make in your life. You're dead. I said in the, in the first service, particularly to young folks, I would not want to be raised. I wouldn't want to be raised now. I wouldn't want to be raised now. When I was a kid, if I wanted to see a naked girl, I had to go somewhere and, and sneak in and find a magazine that I could pull it out and, and look in the magazine and see it. And... I'm a grown man. If you put a half-clothed female up on the television screen, well, my mind might go there. Have to 
rein that sucker back in. You can pick up your phone anywhere, anytime, and you can see any filth, any aberration, anything you want to see is in your hand. I used to be proud that I was with AT&T when we came out with the iPhone. And now I'll look back on it and see that as shame because the iPhone was the devil's curse on the earth. Now, Randy, that sounds backwards and you want to do a rotary dial phone? No, I don't. I hated waiting on the phone to get back to zero when you dialed it. But now sin's right there. But here's the deal. You don't have to do it. When it pops up, you put it up because you're, you're not in bondage. You don't have to. It's not a requirement. It's a discipline now to follow Jesus. It is not a passive activity to follow Jesus. We have taught for too long that it's a passive activity. Come to church, hear a sermon. Ooh, I'm saved. If you want to know what a good daddy is, you've got to look for him. You've got to read. You've got to pray. You've got to listen. Nobody's going to spoon feed it to you. You've got to want it. And you've got to look. And he will reward those who seek him. Scripture says so. You're dead. You can live through Christ. Just a second. We're going to sing our hymn. You get a chance to respond if you... Uh, if you've never made a public profession of faith, I invite you today to do that. Come down and talk to me. We say that you, you, know, you have to do it in front of people, but you know, if you want to come down after the service is over and talk to me, we can work things out. I know a lot of folks are shy. We can deal with that. But I want you to make sure that you publicly profess the fact that you trust Jesus and that you are reckoning yourself dead to your past and you are now going to follow him and stake your life on him. If you want to join First Baptist, come on down. Let's talk about that. If you want to come to the altar and pray, you can come do that. Do you understand you're dead to sin? Anybody have any questions? Somebody want to ask me a zinger right quick? I want you to know. I want you to know this. Nobody ever taught me this until I was an old, old man. You need to know it. You need to know it now. You are crucified with Christ. It is no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you. Bow your head with me, would you? Father, we thank you for your message. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that moves in our heart, whose job is to show us Christ. And in this hour, I pray, Lord, that you're whispering in folks' ears the truth of your word, that we are dead, we are dead, and yet we are alive that we are not bound in sin anymore, that we are not bad people. If our moms and dads told us we were bad, if our teachers told us we were worthless, that we would never grow up to be anything, those are lies from the pits of hell because you tell us that you have saved us and you have crowned us with a crown of righteousness, that we sit in the heavenlies with Jesus right now, that we are hidden in Christ. We are royal children. Father, let that sink in deep with each one of us. Let us know how special we are to a God who gave his son to die on a cross, to be buried in a tomb, to be raised to new life so that we could 
run out of that tomb with him. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another episode from FBC Gray. We hope you have been encouraged by this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. For additional resources and information, visit us online at fbcgray.org. We hope you will join us next week as we continue helping people find Jesus and give Jesus away. Thank you.